I'm not the house of cards that falls down easily Ooh, I'm strong enough to handle what you throw at me Welcome to Mental Health News Radio. I'm your host, Kristen Sunanta-Walker. Just what are we going to discuss? The intimacy that is mental health. Let's continue to make it as comfortable as discussing brain health or heart health. This show has been on the air for several years and we have amazing co-hosts. And then we created a network of podcasters on mentalhealthnewsradionetwork.com, a place where every possible facet of mental well-being can be talked about openly. My show, after several hundred interviews, the format is this. Intimate, deep, funny, touching, sometimes uncomfortable, but always vulnerable conversations with interesting people. The goal is to have you, our listening family, many of you who have become my good friends, feel as though you are listening in on private conversations. Thank you for tuning in and becoming part of this amazing journey with me and now with our network of podcasters. Just knowing this podcast might be helping any of you realize you are not alone on this journey called being a human being makes doing this podcast worth every Welcome to Mental Health Perspectives with your host, Dr. John Huber and Ms. Kristen Sonata Walker. You can learn more about Dr. Huber by going to the site at MainstreamMentalHealth.org. You can learn more about Ms. Kristen Sonata Walker by going to her site at MentalHealthNewsRadio.com. Dr. Huber, Ms. Walker, happy Friday. Hope you both are doing fantastic. Thank you. I'm doing great. Good to hear from you. Okay. <laughs> Me too. I'm doing unbelievable. Unbelievable. Well. Yes, I, I know someone who <laughs> uses that catchphrase once in a while. Okay, we're going to start the show off with a I would call it a lighthearted topic. Is that despite the fact that people can take vacation and relax, it's very difficult to kind of pull away. So I'd like to ask you both: What are some of the reasons why? it would be a challenge to relax despite the fact that you're even taking a vacation. I mean, are we so attached to our work and and so connected online all the time that it's almost impossible to take an authentic vacation? I'll start with you, Dr. Huber. Well, it is hard to take a vacation. You know, a lot of people have uh, worked hard to get to where they're at, and they don't want to lose it, whether they have moved up the corporate ladder or – have built something of their very own from from the ground up, from scratch. And, you know, it's hard for us to step away and relax because everything we feel like is on our shoulder. And the fact is, you know, if we we hire good people, if we make good business decisions, it's going to be there when we get back. The problem is it's our baby. It's, It's, you know, we've nurtured it from a very small piece of an idea into oftentimes something very amazing and beautiful. So it's very scary to turn your back on that for a little while. And uh, it, it, it's just, it's part of you. It's like having another child. What, what do you think, Kristen? I agree. I think Ryan is also a mind reader because you and I discussed this yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> I just was on vacation this week, and it took me a day and a half to enjoy the next day and a half, and then I was itching to get back to work because I love what I do. Um, 
and I do have great people that can take over and, you know, do everything that needs to get done. I just love what I'm doing and I'm still building this network. So um, it was just an interesting case study on myself of, oh, if you were doing a nine to five, like you have in the past for someone else, you were like, it's vacation time. I'm out. Don't even think about it. But now that this is like you say, Dr. Huber, my baby, that is not, that is not how it, <laughs> that is not how it manifests anymore. So it'll, it's going to be interesting to see myself add extra days of being able to relax in the future. It's very hard. It's really hard. Bring up something to both of your attention is that they say the idea of relaxing is, you know, unplugging, pulling away. But if you have that passion for what you do and you love it, because I have to say I love what I do 24 hours a day. I really don't. Like, I just love it. And I don't necessarily feel like I'm doing work. I feel that I'm, I'm doing what I would want to be doing um, regardless. So do you get to that point where the work can become so much fun that it doesn't necessarily feel like you're taking it. I mean, does it feel like, you know, you, you're slowing down by pulling away? I I definitely do. This is how I unplug because, you know, we have our show on the network about where we talk about social media dependency disorder, which is not an actual disorder in the DSM, but it needs to be. Um, I, un, I unplug without a problem in terms of, okay, I'm going to go take a hike and I'm going to leave my phone in my car, or I'm not going to have my phone for an entire day on Saturday. It's going to stay at the house, and I'm going to go do my thing. So I unplug in those ways because I think that they're absolutely necessary for our health, but I don't do them because I hate what I'm doing. I'm the same way. I absolutely love uh, what I'm doing, so I don't feel like I need to take a break because I am getting drained or I'm um, harming myself, I take a break because I know it's good for my mental health and I'll be able to be more present to do what I love um, if I take those breaks. I think that's correct. You know, if you do something you love, it, it's not work. It's, it may be passion and it may be intense, but it's not work. It is a beautiful thing. It's like, like playing music. It's just kind of it's there and you're expressing yourself and moving forward and, and, you know, hopefully people in this world are looking for that thing that makes them smile. And they're, I believe if you take that and you work with it, when you find it, you can, you can build an empire off of that. And I think Kristen's done that. I know I'm working on it. I love absolutely everything I'm doing right now. And sometimes it means, you have to step away from some of the things that are comfortable before you realize, you know, that was comfortable. It wasn't really something I liked doing or I enjoyed doing. It was fine, but it wasn't that thing that put a smile on my face. And it's scary sometimes to walk away from that comfort comfort zone and jump into this. And it kind of goes back to that last question. It's your baby, you know, and you got a smile on your face. And, you know, when you have a child, you know, sometimes you have to correct that child, but you still have a smile on your face because you know the potential and you, you see the change. And it's it's just an enjoyable experience. So uh, being invested in what you're doing and loving what you're doing gives you so much, so much power over that 
stress, work stress relationship that uh, it's just really exciting, and I love it. And we had some very bad news happen this week at a Madden video game tournament. An individual apparently had lost, snapped, and went on a shooting spree. Killed two people, killed himself, injured 11. So now there's this new push to beef up security all over the place. I keep on feeling every time there's an incident, you're going to get more security, more things like this. But nonetheless, it takes the mass shootings to another level because you know you would think that you would be safe in a place where people are playing video games, that they're being overactive. So I'd like to ask, Ms. Walker, what is your take on this? And do you think that this is going to become more of a common occurrence where we're going to see mass shootings in different places? And do you think that the fact that people play video games so intensely that it's more likely that you're going to see mass shootings occur at events like these? Well, I, <laughs> that's, a, that's a tough one. Um, I think, we, I mean, we are seeing more mass shootings, so that that's just a given uh, in terms of are they going to happen more at video game events? Um, probably. I mean, there's uh, this is a better question for Dr. Huber because I'm sure you've done all the forensic research on this, but you know, there are issues with people that are spending that much time on a computer, are that obsessed, have not slept in days, have not been outside. Um, clearly, mental health issues are, are being caused from, you know, spending that much time doing this kind of activity. Um, and, you know, there could be mental health issues present before, and that's why they get obsessed with this kind of an activity. But any type of event like that where you're in you're in that high stress moment, you, you're going to have the possibility of this kind of thing happening. And we do need to beef up security for these kinds of things, because obviously now it's moving into more of that world. That's my, my thoughts on it. Where were you, Dr. Huber? Did you, you did an analysis in the shooter. What did some of the things you noticed about this person? And do you think that some of the qualities that this individual had actually are some things that we're seeing uh, much more common throughout the, the collective uh, people, young adults? Well, again, again, you've got you've got absentee parenting going on in this situation. From what we've heard from the parents, they struggle with their divorce, and there's a lot of stuff going on. So the child, when he was a child, was not getting the kind of nurturing and support that he needed. And when they tried to set limits, he was already too far gone. He, uh, you know, uh, one report says he'd been hospitalized six times as a child. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that alone right there tells you that even though they said he bought his guns legally, he did not because he lied on the, on the, the national survey that they take before they allow you to buy a gun by saying that he had never been hospitalized. And uh, that that is part of the problem because we have issues with HIPAA laws. We have issues with, you know, well, he was hospitalized as a minor. Does that count? Um, you know, there's just not enough going on. And the problem with these shootings is they hit us where we're the weakest and where we're the most vulnerable. They hit us with kids. They hit us with young adults. They hit us in the workplace where we're supposed to be safe and be producing for our family. And it seems so, and it is devastating for those involved. But when you look at the number of homicides in this country every year, there's a lot 
more homicides going on. You know, we have between 36,000 and 38,000 homicides annually in this country. But mass shootings only account for 300 or less of those homicides every year. So it's one-tenth of one percent, less than one-tenth of one percent, that are involved mm-hmm. in these things. The problem is we're so vulnerable there, and it hits our weakest and oftentimes our brightest hope for the future, uh, our children, uh, our loved ones, and it's scary. It is because we don't expect that. So I think at these video game conferences, what needs to happen is they need to be pushing the mental health support networks. They need to have people there who are talking about, hey, learn how to de-stress. Learn, and I'd love to sit down with EA and talk to them about, you know, what kind of what can they do in their games? You know, sending messages when the game starts up, sending messages when they've been playing for hours. Hey, you know, you need to think about where you're at right now. Maybe it's a good time to take a break. You can keep playing by hitting return, but we recommend this. Just a little. I mean, it's a football game. They're not. They're not in Call of Duty and they're getting blown up all the time, but they could do it in Call of Duty when people do get killed or they go to a new section. Hey, take a break. It's time. And I think that would be ethical game manufacturing support. And I think it needs to happen. And we need to follow up with a support team. Don't even call it therapy, but then have therapists there as their support team at these conferences to help people deal. Make sure, for example, that they have a little 15-minute pre-session where the competitors go in and somebody sits down and says, look, you know, this is serious to a lot of you, but the reality of it is it's just a game. And you need to keep that in mind. Have fun. Do your best. And then follow up with people after they lose. Don't just say, oh, he's out, and push him out the door. And I I think that's the responsible thing that really should happen. And I think what we would find is we wouldn't be having any more of these shootings if they did that kind of support. So all of a sudden there is a nurturing component in there. And it wouldn't take much. I mean, with with the billions that the industry makes and generates (laughs) annually, it would not take anything. And one of these, one of these manufacturers could be a leader, a social leader in this country. And, uh, I, I wish I, I hope somebody's listening out there. <laughs> oh, do you right to tell you I love right. your idea about meeting yeah. with EA and meeting with some of these other video games. Matter of fact, when we conclude our broadcast today, I, I will be reaching out to these people because you and thank you, uh, Kristen, reaching out and talking about this could be very beneficial. And I know, I know, no one likes commercials, but seriously, folks, without the help from these organizations, we could not stay on the air. Please give a shout out to zencharts.com. If you're a mental health or addiction treatment center, you'll want to use their EHR. It's gorgeous. And they're just good people. And also mygenetics, M-Y-G-E-N-E-T-X.com, because knowing your genetic code empowers your mental health treatment. And lastly, copenotes.com. We love getting positive messages right to our phones every day from Johnny Crowder. He's the lead singer of Prison, a heavy metal band sharing their music about suicide prevention, addiction recovery, and mental health. See, that was painless. Support them as they support us. Back to the show. You've also put out that great article about mental health warrants and 
Yeah, kind of like every, that too. yeah, every time these things happen, I feel like, you know, it, it, it makes common, it makes a lot of sense because you know, you're, you're being very fair to people. But we're going to take things in a different direction right now because the first two topics we discussed today are about things that are happening in the world and general perspectives about mental health. But I think that people want to get to know you both a little bit deeper. And the question I have is for both of you is what was the hardest aspect about your life, the hardest thing that you went through, the hardest thing that you transcended that put you in a position to be able to shed light and bring peace to others that are going through the same situation? What hardship did you experience that offered you a unique, a unique perspective and ability to, I guess, present a different type of healing to people? And we'll start with you, Ms. Walker. Well, right off the bat, I would say sexual abuse by my father, and the um, that was very difficult, and I started doing um, work around that when I was 12, and then I got into peer support counseling when I was in high school and did a ton of volunteer work and speaking and conferences about this very young, so that's been a driving force for me. Um, just opening my mouth and talking about it, especially at the time that I did because I'm 48 and I spoke about this in the early 80s and you did not talk about incest in the early 80s. You didn't even talk about sexual abuse then. So um, for me, that was a, a passion. And then going through the therapeutic process because I did go to therapy and all different kinds of therapy, realizing also that another component for me was that um, my other parent was aware that this was going on and left me there um, because she didn't want to deal with, with my father's perverse behavior. That was more difficult, actually, than the sexual abuse. So that let, went me on a road of, okay, I really need to study this. Why did this happen? Um, is this generational? You know, why would this happen? And what would make, you know, a parent, you know, allow their child to um, be in this situation? And why is that more painful than the actual sexual abuse? So I'd, I'd say it just gave me a level of compassion and empathy for the trauma that people go through and why um, they make the decisions they make, why their life um, doesn't go the way that they want it to because they're, they're walking around as, you know, PTSD and trauma survivors and um, and full of guilt and shame over things that they had no control over as a child. So that those are right out, right out of the gate. Those are, you know, avalanches of information for everyone. <laughs> Well, thank you for sharing that. That's that's massive, just in general. But to be able to to talk about that is, is I know how difficult it is for for my patients who've gone through that. And uh, I know we love you out here, and we listen to you, and we love you, what you're doing. For me, I think I think I I was blessed. I mean, my whole life, people have always kind of gravitated towards me when they were having issues or problems because for whatever reason I kind of instinctively knew how to listen and I would listen to these people and I would never tell them oh this is what you need to do it was always 
just affirmation. You can get through this. And, you know, they would come up with solutions right there. I can remember as an early teen sitting around talking with adults in our neighborhood. And my dad's sitting there, you know, next to me. And, and people are asking me what's going, you know, how, how they should go through things. And it was kind of a, it, it just seemed so natural. And then, you know, when I thought I was going to go on and be some kind of career athlete or be involved in sports or something and had a major injury and that just totally, that was it. It was over, not a, not a chance. And, uh, I sat down and I'm like, Hey, you know, I need to, I need to keep doing this. There's something about what I do when I talk with people and I need to, to follow that. So I started following that and, uh, it, it was really bizarre to me because, you know, I got my degree in psychology and then I'm going to graduate school. And I remember distinctly, I, I started my first semester in graduate school. And my dad's like, well, you got a bachelor's degree. Why aren't you done? What are you doing? And <laughs> neither one of my parents had college degrees. And so I'm explaining that there's this whole, you know, yeah, just because I have a degree in psychology, I, I've got the basics. I'm at a point now where I can actually start learning how to use this as opposed to just learning about it. And I started graduate school that semester and about two thirds of the way through the semester, you know, I lost my father and he had an asthma attack and that was it. It was just bam. And it was one of those things that the the community I was with at that point within my grad school peers and everything, it was instantly evident to me the value of what I was doing and uh, it, it kept me moving forward, and that's why I'm here today. So I, I think even though that both of those things for a lot of people would be totally devastating, I was blessed to get both of those opportunities. Uh, it sounds kind of bizarre, their traumas, but I think it's part and parcel of who I am and where I'm at today. Awesome. Well, I want to thank you both for going very deep and for sharing mm-hmm. that. And. Uh, Put something out there. In the course of my evolution and growth, sometimes you have to it's transcending shame and transcending things in the past. And I always feel that if you look within yourself and you try to work on yourself and you become the best person you can be, I always think that you can have a profound positive impact on those around you. Because if you are taking that plunge and you're going deep within and you're facing that inner fear, I think it's an inspirational. And I'm, I think that Absolutely. people listening should be inspired to hear your, both of your stories because what you both described seemed to be very hard things to endure. But I'm really glad you prevailed. I'm glad you guys both pulled through because you're having a profound positive impact on a lot of people. And I want to end things on a real positive note, put things out there <laughs> so we let people go home and smile. And I want to ask you both, what is the best catchphrase you could possibly say that would make someone laugh? I'll start with you, Dr. Huber. Well, catchphrase, I like I like to shock people with positivism. So when people ask how I am, I'm amazing. And I'm amazing for a lot of reasons. And one of them is the most important, I woke up breathing this morning. And I, it is a miracle that we're alive, and we should take that and take every moment of it with us. And remember that fact. I, you know, I lost a patient yesterday at the hospital. Literally, we talked, and I walked out of the room, and wasn't three minutes later the patient was gone. Okay. And I know 
because she I, she was laughing on my way out the door. She was enjoying life at that moment, and that in itself is to go out smiling and laughing. That's amazing. That's awesome. What about you, Miss Walker? Boy, a catchphrase. A catchphrase. Um, I was sitting here thinking, oh, now I have to come up with one. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. So this isn't necessarily a catchphrase, but this is something that I do with people that I do all the volunteer work uh, with. I call it the Chip and Dale, which is, you know, when I'm, when I'm working with mental health patients, well, how are you? And they know me. So they'll go, oh, no, 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 Kristen. No, how are you? And I'll go, no, 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 no. No, how are you? And we just keep on until we start cracking up and somebody could, you know, that I walk in and they're covered with a blanket over their head and they haven't spoken to anyone for a week. And my dog comes in, lifts up the blanket, they're smiling because of that. And then we go into our chip and dale routine. And by the time I leave, they've had, you know, a few minutes at least of, of feeling uplifted. <laughs> and that makes me feel so good. Um, not that it's all about me, but it does uh, it does help my lift my spirits also, and I know it it helps them too. So that's my little my catchphrase is or my catch thing is do the Chippendale routine. <laughs> awesome. Well, I'll tell you my catchphrase. I don't know if this is a, a catchphrase or an act of <laughs> uh, driving my wife crazy, but every time I walk around in the store with her, I always yell that catchphrase from the '80s commercial. Where's the beef? But I say it as an old lady. I'm like, where's the beef? I just say it randomly in stores. And she's like, why do I have to do that? Why do you have to say things like that? People say that in stores. But that's my catchphrase. And I, I just think that it elicits a reaction from people where they just look and it throws them off or whatever that they're doing. So, I don't know. It's If you were Love born it. in the 70s and 80s, you grew up seeing that commercial, you probably get totally it. Totally get it. That and I've fallen and I can't get up. Absolutely. Awesome. Yeah. Can't get up. It's, it's awesome. Well, I see. I think you draw a lot of puppies around, and I know you're a puppy dog person. So oh, you know, where's the beast? And here comes the dogs. Oh, you know, so I. <laughs> yes. There absolutely. we go. Love dogs. Maybe we can focus on. Listen the to our shows because we're both nuts. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and that concludes today's edition of Mental Health Perspectives. Again, I want to thank Dr. John Huber, Miss Christensen, or Walker. I thought it was very engaging. I love the fact that you both shared a big piece of yourself. To learn more about Dr. John Huber, please go to his website at MainstreamMentalHealth.org. And to learn more about Ms. Kristen Sonata-Walker, please go to our website at MentalHealthNewsRadio.com. Thank you very much. We'll see you back here next week. Sometimes I'm passive-aggressive, but never without good intentions. I heat up and act on my emotions. Thanks so much for listening to Mental Health News Radio. Our podcast can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, and hundreds of other podcast apps. Or you can visit our website at mentalhealthnewsradio.com. If you have a question or would like to be a guest, become a podcaster on our network, or join the amazing organizations that help keep us on the air, please email us at info at mhnrnetwork.com. Get ready for that special goodbye from our resident therapy dog, Miles, and a special thanks to Emily Sohn for letting us use her incredible song, Cordial, for our podcast music. Listen to the full song on SoundCloud at emily.sonne. Don't be surprised when I don't hate on you. After all we promised, we'd be cordial. Sometimes in you I can fight it. Good boy.